welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here today with my brother, Christian Lewis, so it's a Brother, Brother podcast. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, today, we're talking to Dan Buckspan, uh, the author of the Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal. Say hello, Dan. Howdy. Um, so, you know, just as a, as a matter of uh, jumping off, uh, how did you come to write the Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal? Uh, it landed in my lap. I had nothing to do with it at all. Uh, I was um, contacted by a friend that I went to college with who was working uh, for like the publishing part of Barnes & Noble. Uh, and I guess she had it was her idea for the book, and she had pitched it, and then she asked me to write it. Uh, I think based on the fact that uh, when I was in college, I was kind of this... Um, lunatic who didn't really respect other people's boundaries and would, would like force them to listen to metal all the time and somehow I guess that was acceptable and uh, it I guess I, I that sort of turned me into this like emissary or Jehovah's Witness for metal I guess <laughs> proselytizing yes yeah I, I because I mean this is Hampshire College circa 1980s and this is dinosaur Junior Pixies. Yes. Era. Yes. Uh, you were an outlier at Hampshire. I, I think imagine. I was. Yeah. The lone. I, I. I mean, I. I liked some of that music. I mean, yeah. I, you know, the, a lot of it was good, but uh, yeah, it didn't have the same uh, effect on me that metal did. And what was the metal that you were that you were teaching your peers about at that point? Uh, Metallica, Slayer, Celtic Frost, uh, stuff like that. Cool. So a lot of thrash metal from the sort of mid '80s was that that was the highlight. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. It was the birth of that genre, really. It, Metallica was still good. I mean, yes, they, they had more good albums. That was than, a lot. Sorry, yeah, that was <laughs> dating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> many many decades ago. Yeah, yeah that ended around the, about two years after I was born, I think. So that's what, uh, what year were you born? 1988. Oh, it ended that year. That's the year <laughs> exactly. it ended. That's, that's like, you that's were great. born. That's what I said. Yeah. So actually, I, I killed Metallica. So you uh, killed yeah. Cliff. <laughs> you killed Cliff. Yeah. So what, what are the other, um, one of the things we were talking about on the way over is the, the sort of sub of metal. I mean, there is there is as many um, subcategories of metal as there are adjectives in the dictionary, it seems. How does, what is, why is the taxonomy so important? 
Um, you know, I mean, honestly, that's always seemed kind of weird to me. I've never, I've never really understood the need to, you know, hyper slice and dice. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, yes, there are different genres, and that's fine. Uh, and you know, certainly, when I was a lot more crazy into it, like you know, I liked my little specific thing that I listened to, and that was important. Um, but it, it, as time went on, it just it got so like, oh, I don't listen to this, I listen to this, and. Uh, it was hard for me after a while to even tell what the difference was. Yeah, like I knew I knew like black metal people hated death metal, and I would sit there and be like, okay, th so this one is it sounds like Popeye is the singer, and what they hate is the one where the Cookie Monster is the singer. <laughs> is, that, is that the is that the is that why we you know, have erected this wall? Wrong cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know so. Um, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, as far as I can tell, it's just kind of kept going that way. Um, and, you know, uh, the compounding of adjectives, too. You know, like there was stoner metal, now there's stoner doom metal, or just doom metal. And it, it's, I mean, you, I guess you can, you can keep going so forever. So this, this didn't enter into the, I mean, did, did, you, did you concentrate on that in the book, really? Or did you just sort of, or were you an under one roof kind of guy? No, I, I, I address it. I, dre I addressed it in the book, but um, I mean, I, I know people who think like it should be different books. <laughs> like you can't talk about this band and this band in the same book. This is heresy. Um, I, I simply don't agree with that. So, you know, they, they're free to write their own eight page book covering that one <laughs> genre if they want. But, the pamphlet? Know, the pamphlet, yeah, exactly. But you so say you would, I mean, I think if we, if we take, if we go back to the, the sort of the roots. Um, this is something that it's a genre that ultimately, I guess you could say, was sort of birthed out of Sabbath, Zeppelin mm -hmm. II, yep. the blues, right? Right. And I mean, walk us through a little bit about sort of where those paths started to split. Because I always think, I mean, I think Sabbath, Led Zeppelin II, and maybe a little bit of Deep Purple, and that's really yep. the the sort of cradle. Um, but then, sort of, where did it go from there? How did it change in the seventies and sort of branch off and become more classical or, um, or sort of, you know, uh, uh, start incorporating other features and sort of, you know, move away from, from that traditional blues. Yeah, well, it got, it got more technical, I think, uh, like in the mid-70s. I think that's, that's when you really started to see the split happening. Uh, I think a band like Judas Priest is probably the most, to my mind, is the most responsible for, you know, really making that split and, really, you know, really taking everything out of the blues and just make it like we're a metal band. This is what we do. You know, I mean, you know, and they they pioneered a whole look for it mm -hmm. too. Um, that was know. where that was where sort of leather chaps and stuff started coming. Yes, out of exactly. Okay. Yeah. But you know, but branding is is important if yeah. you, if you want to be like, hey, check us out. You know. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I would I would say probably if if you really want to get like very technical about it and and really pinpoint like that's the exact moment. It would probably be. Uh, I think the Stained Class album is probably, like, that's that's where you could say this This is where it all, you know, before that, it was, there was definitely metal-ish stuff happening. I, I know a lot of people who think the first Black Sabbath album is the first metal album, uh, Blue Cheer, you know, stuff like that. But I think if you have, if you have to pick, like, one linchpin moment where, you know, this, this is now a genre unto itself, I would say that's probably it.
and the iconography, uh, the Judas, you know, the Judas Priest split, really. I mean, it, yeah. they were a blues-based hippie band kind of before, yeah. um, you know, before they threw on the studded belts and, and leather jackets. But, um, you know, what's the proliferation or how, what was the sort of, um, you know, how did the, the, the sort of fashion iconography grow from Judas Priest outward? It, I think if you just listen to the music, there's not that much of a change, really, um, uh, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned uh, Stained Class as being like, the, you know, the first album like that, but uh, Halford didn't start dressing that way right. until like two albums later. And there's not really that big of a change in the music as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think honestly the way people dress and the way people look uh, sometimes has more of an effect on people than an actual change in the music. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's a way that you can find each other in a, in a you know, in a crowded world. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, it's a, it's a, um... Well, I mean, like on, uh, on Metallica's Load album, uh, which I remember, you know, people just, like, just hated on it. Like, this is the worst thing ever. It's because they cut their hair. That's the right. only, that's no, the I only mean, reason. I mean, if, if they had not cut their hair and made the exact same album, everyone would have said, this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a, I'm, it, it, I'm certain that that's that that's the case. It People is a, are that shallow. That's a that's a trend in many respects that I think pre predates metal. I mean, whether you know it's even the way that uh, people dress during the jazz age or. Um, you know the way mods dressed in the yep. in the sixties. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that's sort of always been uh, yeah, it's an identifying. New. It's not new at all, probably. Yeah. But the iconography uh, on top of it. I say mean, this is distinctive. Of... Wyndham, by the way, is in a mesh tank top and a leather conductor's hat right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 um, but the uh, but the iconography sort of grew from there too. The, the you know the the umlauts and the and the sort of ferocity yeah. of the look, the the fear factor that you know that well, were dangerous. Well, I mean, they're they're fetishizing. Like leather and Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. basically. If you, if you want to like pull it down, so, so that's what's up with the German thing. Because okay, this is actually this is a great question. I've never truly understood this. What's with all the Scandinavian shit? And uh, and I mean, where when did that become such a, a big part of the the genre? I uh, I I guess from the black metal bands at the time. Uh, I think as soon as uh, I guess it was. Um, uh, God, what, uh, Varg, uh, or Varg, or however you pronounce his name, Varg Weakerness. Uh, I think as soon as, soon as he burned down a church, uh, that made people suddenly pay attention. And I think that was a big deal. He Publicity was also involved stunts. in the, uh, was he also involved in the murder of... He killed the guy. Yeah, yeah of Euronymous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he okay. just got out of prison. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. He's a touring. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and apparently he's learned nothing. If you read anything that he's said <laughs> lately, it's like no time has passed. Oh, good. Yeah. But that is a, I mean, it is a kind of a grand unifier. I mean, the, the metal... What, racism? <laughs> yeah. Let's all get together. It actually, unfortunately, is a grand unifier at the moment. Um, but what, like, uh, you know, you can identify a metal, you know, there, the metal is international. You yeah. get your Brazilian metal, yeah. you get your Japanese metal, you mm-hmm. get your Scandinavian metal. They all sort of, different, but they all fly under one, you know, sort of larger banner. Right. Um, is it the sort of international? Is it sort of an unspoken language that you can just sort of? I mean, does everybody just wind up at Duff's one day in Brooklyn? And- <laughs> I I guess so. I mean, I I think a lot of the people who are flying the flag don't even really understand what the uh, imagery and icon- uh, iconography you know that you're talking about. I don't think they even know what the, that's about. Uh, the derivation there. Yeah, I mean, the, it's. Similar to when you see people driving around with like Confederate flags on their truck, yeah, uh, they may be racist, but that's a coincidence. They just they think the flag uh, is a re- rebel spirit. It's rebel spirit, and uh, can can I use the F word? I'm, sure. Okay. Yeah. It's a fuck you. That's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of metal iconography is just a fuck you. That's really what it's about. And if it has some kind of like deeper history or something like that, most of these people I don't think are aware of that. There are a lot of similarities there, I think, as well with with you know punk. I mean, and, and the way right. that um, yeah. the early British punk uh, punks, you know, would would use uh, would use you know Nazi symbols yeah. or, or um, Sid Vicious would yeah, wear the voice. big swastika shirt. Yeah, uh, and, uh, that, and then at the time it was charming. Prince Harry dressed as an SS officer like five years ago, but that's yeah. A, <laughs> I mean, is it? But not for metal purposes. Not for metal. <laughs> For evil, not for metal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. is, is the music involved in these? I mean, we, we on the way over, uh, read the uh, 10 most horrific crimes committed by Scandinavian metal uh, <laughs> fans as a, as a primer. Uh, not uh, it's more of a curiosity, and it is pretty gruesome. But is the, does the music keep pace with the with the uh, fear-mongering? I don't or, think so. No. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's not that heavy, is it? I mean, it's heavy, but it's not... It, yeah, but it's not... Um... More so. No, I mean, I, I, th- I think in the 80s, there was this fear uh, among a lot of people. Like, if you listen to heavy metal, Satan will grab your soul and you will, you know, become uh, uh, brainwashed. Well, going back to stained class, I mean... I, right, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah actually, it, that's... I've exactly. only ever listened to it backwards, so I've never really... Yeah, you know, and <laughs> Satan got your soul, and then now here, you know, and look where we are now, yeah. exactly. Um, no, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the same thing. I think there's this assumption that if you listen to the music, then, you know, you're on board with whatever it is they're saying. I don't think most people even notice, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you. Um, I know that that's not what a lot of people think. Uh, but I've just met so many people who listen to this music who are just so fucking ignorant, uh, about what it is they're listening to that... They're not. They're not doing it because there's like a larger polity that they're looking to connect to, or something like that. They just. They just like the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. They just enjoy that. Yeah, that's and that's really all there is to it. It's a good manifestation of angst. It's, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I I think a lot of the people who listen to Nirvana, uh, were not really that uh, attuned to everything that was being said. You know, so it didn't automatically mean if you listen to Nirvana, you are now a heroin addict. That's it. It doesn't work that way. Or that you're necessarily condemning, you know, the corporate horrors and, and no. the capitalist system yeah. from your desk as a stockbroker. Right. Um, yeah, you know, everybody exactly. likes Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. I don't, but almost uh, everybody does. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Was that something that, I mean, so, well, that's actually, I'd like to follow up on that point a little bit. I mean, was, was there a pretty big rift between people who were interested in grunge as that sort of emerged um, as its own genre and, and metalheads? Yeah, they weren't the same audience. It was, yeah. di- it was different people. Um, but was, was there animosity between those two groups, or was it? Not, not, like, a, not like a mods and rockers kind of thing. Just, it just wasn't the same audience. Hmm. And I think, uh, you know, like metal audiences, you know, who had been kind of, uh, you know, uh, the bands were very successful for a long time. And, uh, you know, they were like really kind of having their moment. Then that ended and grunge came in. So I think that there was resentment for that reason. But um, uh, there, I, I certainly don't remember any, like, uh, you know, gangs of roving uh, thrift shop, uh, thrift shop uh, denizens. Yeah, looking to beat up uh, metal flannel clad. No, yeah, no, it, it just it didn't happen. You know? No, it, it, it we just, weren't very good at be- the beating up part. <laughs> or, or <laughs> both of these groups, or actually. vice versa. Yeah. It, was, it, it, just, it just didn't happen. Yeah, no, no, there wasn't. But uh, one th- going back to the book, I, I, you know, which I have read and, and given as a gift on several occasions. Um, who I'm always curious about, uh, and this is always my question to any author. Um, who, how did you make the cut? Who wound up on the cutting room floor? It, you know, I mean, it's, it's truly an encyclopedia of heavy metal. It's very, very, uh, it's a completionist's guide. But, um, you know, who didn't make the cut, A, for musical reasons, and who didn't make the cut because they weren't big enough? Not a, not a lot of people were left out, to be yeah. honest with you. And, there, I mean, there are bands in there that might have sold, like, 20 copies that I included, uh, you know, there were a lot of, like, really obscure underground bands that I, I think a lot of people who read the book, this was, like, their first introduction, like, that they even knew that these bands existed. Give us a couple. Uh, Iron Man from D.C. Uh, yeah, exactly. As um, someone from D.C., that's news to me, so uh, I'll have to check them out. Las Cruces from Texas. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's about as far as it goes, right? But, so, but I mean, uh Style-wise, who makes the cut? I mean, Christian was curious because he, he was wondering if, you know, the sort of uh, 70s FM, like the Aerosmiths and the, you yeah. know, uh, make the cut. And, uh, you know, at what point uh, does somebody not make the cut? I mean, does Soundgarden make the cut? Did, does Soundgarden made the cut. Uh, Aerosmith made the cut. Um, metal, I mean, metal is just really broad, and it can, it can include just hard rock. You know, like Kiss, to me, is not a metal band in any sense. But yes, you have to include them anyway because mm-hmm. you know they're you're not really telling the whole story if you don't include them. Uh, when I did the second edition of the book, I added Cream mm-hmm. and got a lot of pushback on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it's hotly debated in certain these circles. It's a pretty in fervent this fan base. circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I, see, I don't I don't think it is. I mean, I mean, I'll, you know, the members of the band hate that more than anything, and. Uh, I, I saw a documentary about uh, Ginger yeah. Baker, where you know, where he said that it, if beware of Mr. Baker, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, he said something like, "If we were the parents of heavy metal, then it should have been aborted," <laughs> you know. So, you know, uh, he was not happy about it. But he's charming. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, you can't deny the effect that they had and mm-hmm. what that caused. I feel like that's really important, and you have to talk about that. Um, you know, especially for a genre of music that's still going today. You thought the leaden winter 
would bring you down forever But you rode upon a steamer to the violence of the sun people were playing dress up and not really playing metal music they were playing sort of radio pop I included it yeah yeah um a a lot of with your holding your nose or or gladly it was funny yeah (laughs) I mean at that point when I wrote it like most of them were not successful anymore Mm. and they were doing like uh you know the puppet show and Warren yeah uh you know puppet show and and LA guns you know yeah right and uh I don't, I don't know, but at the same time, I, I kind of admired that they kept going anyway, and it was sort of the same reason that I included a lot of the really obscure bands that I included, because I think a lot of the metal sensibility is, uh, we're going to do this, we don't care if nobody likes it, we, we don't care if we're playing to an empty room, we don't care if we were playing to 20,000 people a year ago and now nobody likes us anymore, this is what we do. That's a big. That's a really big part of it, and I think that that's really important. There's a legacy label, record label, that picked up a lot of the bands that were popular, and then yes, CMC. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And so, are any of those bands putting out? You know, any of those legacy bands putting out good, really good records? Oh, still? good, re- good records. I yeah. don't know. I can't. I can't comment on that. Oh, okay. Uh, I never liked them to begin with. So, um, I like, the, like literally, there's not a one of them that I look at, and I'm like, they were good. That was the exception. Well, a band like Judas Priest, then, or uh, you know, bands that are aging into their you know um, golden years, are, they, are any of them putting out good records still? Or no, or, no, not no. really. Uh, the last Black Sabbath album was terrible. I thought uh, Judas Priest haven't put out anything worth listening to in close to thirty years. I feel like uh, they know that too, because when they go on tour, they just play yeah, the hits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kiss play. I think everything they play, I think, is off their first like six albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with ACDC and the, you know uh, ACDC especially there's like almost there is no one left in the band at this point other than Angus yeah but it's still we must go out there and trot out these hits or we will die yeah you know it's it's you know it's a desperate situation for western civilization that you know ACDC must go out there and tour no matter what it doesn't matter if Malcolm you know is, is in the you know is in a hospital been, forever yeah. you know it's uh or, or Brian can't hear, or, you know, we, yeah. we continue, we do it anyway. Yeah, we pick up a, a karaoke singer from the Philippines and, and fill in the blanks. Yeah. A la journey. Or worse, we get Axel Rose, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. right. They would have been better off with mm. the, the guy from Journey, I think. Oh, that kills me. Yeah, it's, it's ouchy. Yeah. It's very ouchy. Yeah. Do you like, I mean, are there new bands emerging that you're paying attention to or that you are advocating? They're not that new. Um, I mean, they're newer, I guess, but uh, there's a... Uh, 
Grand Magus is a band from Sweden that I like a lot. They're really good. Uh, Chelsea Wolf, I think, is fantastic. Um, she she has, I mean, most of her following is in like the metal subculture, mm-hmm. but she's not purely metal. It's it's this kind of like dark folk mixed with doom kind of a thing. Uh, it's really interesting. I think she's fantastic. She just put out a new record like two weeks ago. Uh, called Hiss Spun, yeah. yeah, and I I love it. I've listened to it like hundreds of Actually, times. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Now, like, uh, I'm, I'm oh, oh, Jex Thoth. I love Jex Thoth. J E X T H O T H. They're from San Francisco. I love them. Their singer wears a cape and bears a magic wand on stage. I love it. Amen. So, this is a good segue into uh, speaking uh, of capes, speaking of magic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, one of the things I've, I've long wondered is, is sort of where the, the fantastical elements of, um, uh, of of the iconography have come from. And I suppose Black Sabbath, you know, sort of kicked that off. There was sort of a religious um, undertone to a lot of the, um, you know, certainly to the maybe song names, some of the lyrics, yeah. um, and certainly the band name. But how did that really, I mean, grow, and, and who, was, who was fanning those flames? Uh, probably it was Rainbow uh, that started it, because um, there were these kind of, like, uh, when uh, the guitar player Richie Blackmore, when he was still with Deep Purple, uh, he would start like injecting a lot of uh, you know sort of more classical motifs into his playing and that sort of thing. He and he just liked lyrics about you know sorcerers and that sort of thing. At the time, there there wasn't a lot of that. So when he left and did his own band, he was like, "We're going to really push this you to the s- forefront." Sorcery forward. Sorcery forward. He's, you know, he got Dio to be the singer. And, you know, you can't really yeah. sorcery harder than that. You know. Um, so I mean, I, I would say that's probably where, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think that's where it started. I'm sure someone will correct me. That's another thing. Is after this goes on the air. <laughs> Everyone will be enraged and want to correct everything I said. We are familiar with that. You, you, okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. As anybody who puts out um, both, anything, both opinions opinion. and misinformation anything, on a weekly anything, basis. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. It's yeah, a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, one of the things, I, I had a, a fun a funny exercise I wanted to do because I, I was wondering you put out a, a, an article not two days ago that were your ten most underrated Zeppelin. It was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. See, we're we're really current. You were, yeah. We're super current. Um, if you could Frankenstein a, a super group together, who would be your Jesus. frontman, guitarist, bass player, drummer? Um. Uh, Viv Savage uh, obviously would be yeah, a well, keyboardist. Clear, clearly, clearly, yeah. yeah. Um, I've I've always loved Bonham. I always have, um, and he's just kind of like the first person I think of, uh, even if he wouldn't necessarily be the right person for it. Uh, so it'd be him, Geezer Butler, uh, Uli Roth from the Scorpions, and Dio, basically. It'll be a hot album. Oh, it would probably be horrible and not work, and they would all hate super each group, other. And super groups never up. work. No, they don't. No. I mean, and I'm, I'm trying to like, think in my head what this would sound like. It's a mess. It's purely it's a, a mess. A, a, an academic exercise. Yeah. Who, uh, would, who would be the first to quit, also? Who would be the first person to leave the band and go start it? Voluntarily or uh, by death? What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a. Um, and then there was another. Um, oh, and John Lord. Also, would have to be involved. So, John Lord on keyboards. Ah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, He's dead too. So, I think there are more dead people than living people in this band that I just Frankenstein. Yeah, well, that's, that's part. Of, that's part of recreating a monster. You're literally exactly. Frankenstein. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, so, yeah. I mean, you obviously you did the list of ten most underrated Zeppelin songs. What are the you know five? Best metal songs of all time, off the top of your head. God, Jesus. Um, you can go back and correct it later. The, <laughs> uh, Die Young by Black Sabbath is definitely one of them. So is Children of the Sea. Uh, so that's two out of the way right there. Um, the Sails of Charon, or Karen, or however you pronounce it, by Scorpions. Uh, that has my favorite recorded guitar solo ever by anybody. Um, God. Uh, it doesn't have to be a round number of five. I could, that's, no, this, these things work. It's three or ten. Right. That's what I found. You can think <laughs> of three very easily, and you can think of ten very easily. Five? five. No dice. It's just five. failure right yeah. there. <laughs> You're doomed. That, yeah, so you are. With you, every you with are. every episode, we yeah. put together a, a Spotify playlist as yeah. well. So oh, you're oh, uh, that. Angel of Death by Slayer. That's that would definitely be one nice. of them. Like no question.
Um, but uh, you know, and, and, so did you? I imagine growing up in New York, you would hang. Around, what were the clubs that were doing? I mean, I, I remember a lot of the boroughs. There were. There really wasn't. There was not really. I mean, there was Lamore. Lamore uh, out in Queens, right? No, it's here. Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. It's actually very near. Where I remember you're, it. Where you're yeah. sitting right now, in fact. I remember seeing it advertising. I remember a lot of clubs in Jersey. Yeah. You can feel the dark spirits, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Lamore, uh, the Ritz, um, CBGB. Um, though, you know, though, I mean, I, I knew people who used to go there, like, regardless of who was playing, just to check out whatever there was. Uh, I, I didn't go as much as everybody, but those were... Those were places where I really remember what you know, you know, feeling like there's something going on here. This this is more than just that I'm seeing a band and I like them. It's this something is happening here. Well, because I think so much of metal is of uh, you know so much of the key to, to metal is, is sort of performative and theatricality yeah. um, and stage pre- you know presence. I mean, it's a very charismatic sport. What who are the best live bands you've ever seen? Uh, God. Voivod were Remember fantastic. Quebec, right? Yes, yeah. I saw them a bunch of times. They were amazing every time I saw them. Um, Slayer were un- unreal, unreal every time I saw them. Um, def- definite risk of like that you will you will get killed at this show. Like that was definitely like you walked in, in there, play. you know, signed the waiver because <laughs> you may not get out. Um, DRI were really good. Um, I honest, honestly, I could I could do better with like the bands I saw that really disappointed me. Then, uh, oh, we'd love to hear that too. Oh, uh, Metallica were horrible. I saw them a couple of times, and like they just straight up could not play. Um, I, there was one time I saw them on uh, the Injustice for All tour. At the Worcester Centrum was this the tour when the arms blew off yeah. Blind Lady Justice. That, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. I was at the Worcester Centrum show. Oh, I, no, I, I didn't... No, I saw it uh, one time at uh, the Meadowlands, and I, I forget where the other one was, but uh, you, uh, they were playing the song One, you know, and the part, com- you know, the part comes mm-hmm. up with the double bass and everything, and uh, they just they were not able to actually execute it on stage, uh, much to the chagrin, uh, I'm sure, of the entire audience. Uh, but people were so just like on board anyway, and and this is fantastic. That you know, I think everyone just made this kind of unspoken Pact. agreement. We're, we will never mention this. We will never bring up. That it's they a different, can't, a different we way of telling us. Yeah, right. Yeah, we will never tell anyone they can't actually <laughs> we will, play. We will tell all of our friends yeah. this was the coolest concert ever. Yeah, um, uh, that that uh, pact appears to have expired, though. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are starting to come out of the woodwork now and be like. They can't actually play. Not that great. Uh, I think this has um, probably reduced a, a good friend of mine to the fetal position uh, listening to this podcast as, as Metallica is his all-time favorite band and one is his all-time favorite song. So um, has, has he seen it performed by them? He has. In fact, I, I believe he was at the Webster Hall show uh, uh-huh. that they played. I think they played two nights, but, but may well fall... Um, uh, fall into the trap that you mentioned of you know, and this this certainly happens to me. It's I I think of this fairly recently actually in seeing um, uh, not not a metal band but um, but an Interpol at Forest Hills where it's just this is an all time favorite album of mine. They're performing Turn on the Bright Lights. I'm willing to forgive a few mistakes just because I love it so much. Yeah. Um, but so uh, so how many how many mistakes 
will you sit through though before <laughs> you can no longer do that anymore? To me, it's three. If they do it three times, then the, three and up. Yeah, three and up. It's ruined. It's a, the illusion is over. I think that's probably about right. Do you mean three separate shows, or you mean three mistakes? Three in a mistakes, show? same yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think. Well, it 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 also you know there there are a number of different places that that sort of mistakes, if you will, can come from. And if if you think maybe the venue isn't quite suited to their sound, or um, you know, but yeah, if if you are actually if these are like these aren't technical problems, if these right. are like practice problems, it, it becomes, you know, it's, it's almost uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can't tell an you... insult to the, to the audience member. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you, like, you know, how many times before I actually saw them, you know, I would sit there with friends of mine, you know, and we would air drum every fill that we had committed exactly. to memory, and, it, you know... You know, every note, every, every drum fill. Every, every inch of it, you know, <laughs> from top to bottom, and then you go see it, and... It, you know, it's, it's, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really kind of, um, uh, it's an upsetting experience to the young person. You know, I mean, now, great, you know, whatever. Uh, I understand that, you know, it's, stuff happens. Uh, the average show that you go to see, there's mistakes constantly. You know, we just saw Iron Maiden uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, and I, I'm used to them, like, really, you know, bringing things off flawlessly technically flawlessly and they didn't really sound that good this night but the sound no. at the venue was not good um the, t- the garden no is it the barclays uh, barclays um you could just tell from from the types of mistakes that they were making that it was more a matter of that they probably couldn't hear each other on stage right. than uh than that they don't know by now i think they know how to play these songs yeah, yeah. um but it, yeah it was a little like oh this that's unfortunate that's too bad They've got a pretty stellar reputation, though, for being incredibly tightly rehearsed and practiced. Oh yeah, no, the, I mean the whole, the whole show, like you know, just on balance is you know flawless. They're not going to make mistakes at this point. Yeah. Um, so I mean, in, in that, you know, kind of a context, I'm more willing to, you know, forgive it and be like, okay, well maybe, maybe I should have seen them in Hartford instead. Right. You know, you can you can bank uh, or you can earn some bankable goodwill over time. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I just I just love them too much, also to like really get all up in arms about it. Uh, they did they didn't play any songs I wanted to hear. It was uh, I I felt like they cut the set short, um, but it didn't matter. I also my son was with me too, and he's he's ten, and that was his first oh. rock concert ever. Okay, and just just to be able to bring him there to have that experience, that alone was so fantastic and he had such a good time that it, I, I'm just not going to sit there and be like, I don't know. There's a, there was, a, I, was something out of tune. Yeah, yeah. Being a dick dad. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, he, he, I've never seen him like that. And yeah. You know, he, um, just joy. Uh, something, it was something beyond that even, it, uh, you know, it didn't have anything to do with the music at all because I, I don't think he cared one way or another. It was all the, like, fire and bombs and, <laughs> Uh, they they pull uh, the heart Eddie. out of Eddie at one point uh, <laughs> and throw it into the audience. So he he was just you know that that Spellbound. was it, it was like I had taken him to the Santa factory where the elves make the toys or where they make <laughs> video games. I've never seen him like that before or since. It's it's interesting you say that because I think one of the redeeming features that that can um, gloss over. Uh, you know, mistakes or, or um, issues you have a, with a set list or something like that is the sort of sense of community that live yeah. performances can really foster the, these days because it is 
really, I mean, live shows are sort of one of the last ways that music really does feel sort of intensely communal. I mean, the internet yeah. has sort of served to, to break that down. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would wait all. Uh, I don't know if I would like wait no, everything that's, that's at, the, at the feet of the internet. That's also the, that's also provided a, a, a forum for people to connect over music or so. to complain about the show they saw. Yeah, there's exactly. that community also of people who just like to get together and complain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's actually an interesting question and one that we've raised with a lot of um, writers is is uh, you know in the age of the internet is critic is rock criticism kind of done? Is there any need for it any longer? It's such a there was de- there was never a need for it ever, <laughs> ever. It's useless from you know it, it, for its entire history. There's never been a need for it. Um, Really, I think most people read reviews of stuff that they already are familiar with so they can argue with the reviewer. I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, what does this person say that will better inform my choice of what album I will buy today? What it really means is this album that I stole off the Internet uh, that I love, uh, I want to read this person's contrary opinion of it so I can write, you're an asshole, you're an asshole in the comments at the bottom. But you and I are, the, I think, the same age. Uh, and, you know, I, I depended very heavily. Um, I mean, you, you grew up in New York City, mm-hmm. so it, uh, access was a lot easier yeah. for you. I, you know, in various times grew up further out and really did rely on, on you know, the press to, to inform me a little bit of what was going on, what was new, what was going on. Um, usually a lot of uh, British magazines and... and oh, know. yeah, I, I read all those magazines. Oh, okay. but, but the uh, the biggest influence on me musically and the person who I heard the most about in terms of new bands and that sort of thing was my sister. Uh, I have an older sister, and she would just... She would listen to something, get bored of it, and give it to me. So that was that was really the venue. The, that, that's the... Uh, familiar with the concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the architecture of our entire podcast. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um... No, you know, I mean, I, I was always, I was interested about, you know, what was in the magazines and that sort of thing. But, you know, you're on a, you're on a limited budget with your allowance and, uh, you know, you go to the record store and you, you can choose one seven ninety nine object. That's it. That's all you're getting. And uh, it was, it was very often, you know, I, I would have a few different things that I wanted and what I had read in, uh, I don't know, in Kerrang!, didn't really factor into it at the moment of the purchase. Uh, sometimes it was just like, the oh, there's tits on the cover. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, it's... No, that, that goes a long way. It, I mean, it, it made me a Roxy it, Music it, fan. It can go all the way sometimes. <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> I think that was, every, that was everybody's first Roxy Music purchase was basically <laughs> for that reason. So. I, wonder, I wonder, though, if there were people who saw the Avalon cover and did not buy it because there were no tits on the cover. Like I, I'm not on board anymore. No, they sold out. They did. They, yeah. they went. Yeah, they went. Tits south. on the cover, or fuck you. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. If I don't see Jerry Hall naked on the next, yeah. No, I mean, I'm there not, are no mermaids on this. My first purchase was a uh, was a um, was the debut Boston album. It was a picture disc at, at Tower Records Solid. in Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, what was yours? What was your first one? Oh God. Uh, uh, well, like the first records that I bought with my own money, mm. uh, I think I was eight, and I believe it was Abbey Road by the Beatles, uh, Pieces of Eight by Styx, and the Jaws 2 soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mr. Jaws by Dickie Allen? What's that? Was it Mr. Jaws by Dickie Allen? Twerent. No, it wasn't. 
no, I mean, just, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I was like eight or something like that, and I had been given $10 for my birthday, and you could buy mm, three, records. three records at yeah. the time for $10. And, yeah, I was, well, I was a gifted shoplifter, so. And how is the Jaws 2 soundtrack, <laughs> if I could? Uh, of, of the three things that I bought, it was probably the one that I listened to the least. I thought you were going to say of the first three Jaws soundtracks. Of all the, the, of all the Jaws soundtracks? <laughs> solid. Yeah. And executed flawlessly by the, when it's performed live, you know? Exactly. Um, no, I mean, I, but I mean, my, <laughs> this was 40 years ago, so it's, it's a little hazy at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, I think that's how it started. Mm. I, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then the, the, uh, you know, the, the sort of metal came in just, you know, much, sort of much, much later, much later. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't like really seriously get into it really until college. Uh, just, uh, th- I didn't really know people who were into it, uh, not on the like more sort of underground level, you know, there's the stuff on MTV and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, but it was, it was hard to find like, you know, really underground, dedicated, dark, uh, you know, really, like really raw stuff. I just didn't. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, but uh, a friend of mine at college uh, started playing me this stuff, and it was it just like tore my head off. I'd never heard anything like it in my life. Um, and that stuff that I was first turned on to, like to this day, still tends to be the stuff that I enjoy. And it was oh, uh, Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer, Exodus, nice. uh, Celtic Frost. Celtic Frost. Or is it Celtic Frost? Is it, you tell I was me you're, say, the, you're, you're the, the encyclopedia. Yeah, I was, you said Celtic earlier, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I think I've oh, been no, saying I, it the, wrong my entire life. I was, I was angrily corrected uh, one time when I said Celtic Frost by somebody, uh, and they're like, "What is it? The Boston Celtics? No, it's the Celtics." So an so, angry Celtics fan was the person who basically changed. Yeah, your... I I, re- <laughs> I retreated in fear. I did not stand right. up for my beliefs, and uh, but I, I mean, say. Say it however you want. I don't care. Did you did you come in contact with a lot of bands after the or during when you were writing uh, the encyclopedia? Not at after? all. No. Any feedback after from nothing you? except uh, oh the the original guitar player from Carnivore. Uh, I wrote that he had left the band and he emailed me to say no, I was fired. That was it. Now let he's, the record now he's dead. So <laughs> let the record reflect yeah. that Dan Buxman is a hell of a researcher. If he got one complaint from an actual <laughs> participant, yeah, the par- the participants nobody had anything to say pretty much at all. I, I mean, there were a couple of like little minor things here and there. Uh, the like normal the people who read the book was another story entirely. Uh, let's hear some. I mean, what oh, are some of the funnier things that the the day the book came out? Literally, exactly the day the book came out, I got an email. I don't even know how the guy got my email address, but it's, you know, it's some guy and he gives me this list of everything that's wrong with the book. So it's, you know, already I'm like, wow, okay, so this is going to be interesting. Two days later, I come home from work and go to my mailbox and he has mailed me a copy of the email just to make sure I got it. That's awesome. Yeah, so that was, that was, you know, and that was 2003. Mm. Uh, before, you know, comment section culture had really taken off. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I take abuse daily now, you know, as a journalist and writer and that sort of thing, and that, that really prepared me for it. Uh, and it, it, somewhere along the line, I started to see 
getting hateful comments like that as as good. You want this because this means people are seeing They're it. They're reading it. It means people are reading it, and the people who are reading it are not mom. Mm-hmm. It's it's not people you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, you know, that's kind of the price of something really getting out there is there are going to be people who are really not going to like it, and they will tell you that. Um, they will make they will make it their business to tell you that. Uh, it's not going to change anything. It's you know, they just they just want to have a voice in it somehow. Any constructive criticism that you think was no 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 good. People, people who <laughs> comment on this stuff they don't they don't do constructive criticism. Yeah, nobody has helpful suggestions for this. Yeah, kind of no, shit. no, nobody's like, and, you know, in the in the future maybe you might want to consider. You know, you don't get that. It's not it's not going to happen. Uh, I've been I've been called you know an asshole and fuck you and faggot. You know, just everything has been hurled at me, and, uh... It's a badge. It, it better be, because it's just like... Because <laughs> you, 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 you can't take it personally. No. Uh, if you do take it personally, then you're not going to want to do it anymore. Um, and I, I worked at CNBC for, like, five years writing articles for their website, and, you know, the, ever, the comments that they would get were just, like, the most unhinged shit I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And a lot of it was when uh, Ron Paul was really popular. So we would get, you know, basically Ron Paul fans, you know, they would say, like, your, your company is disgusting and, and you people are less informed because of you. And the Fed. A lot of stuff <laughs> like that. You know? So you, after a while, it's like, okay, there's a personality type that writes in like this. And that was just in response to your ten most underrated songs by Led Zeppelin. I don't. I don't even. No, not not for CNBC, but yeah. um, it, it it had it had nothing to do with Ron Paul or the Fed. Right. But that didn't matter. It was, Here's the comment button. No, I, did, no, I, mean, I, I didn't read this piece. You know, it's just I, whatever I did, the hell. I it. did articles about like expensive food. Like uh, there's there's this one uh, this restaurant in Las Vegas called La Fleur, where you can get a five hundred dollar hamburger, and I wrote about that. And I get end the Fed as a comment. You know, it's, it, this, this has nothing to do with that at all. You know, that that becomes clear very quickly. It's the Yankee suck of the. It's uh, the Ron Paul. yes, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm gonna. I think we'll wrap this up. But I have one last question because uh, we're gonna be cliche as hell and probably uh, um, put this up around Halloween. What's the most like sort of uh, um, frightening? record that's ever been made oh you're kidding right um you mean you mean like is there like uh, of metal or just generally just in life in life um god uh late era jefferson starship um my if I if I'm playing music where the song starts with some kind of like spooky sound effect, uh, when my son was three, that used to scare him. So uh, any Voivod album, I would say, because that always starts with like thirty seconds of ambient sounds. So I'll say Killing Technology by Voivod. Yeah, they were they were an interesting they were interesting because their their take was less the sort of. Um, you know, they weren't the blood and gore type. They weren't no. the fist in the air type. They were really they were way, cyber future, way out there, and still way out there. And no one ever figured out what it is that they do. And to this day, they're they're on their own little island. Uh, to me, that's the greatest thing you can do is if you provide something 
that no one else will come up with. The original. The, the original and so original that no one is even able to copy you, even if they want to. That's, you know, that's the catbird seat, man. <laughs> To wrap up, we're uh, talking to Dan Buxban, the uh, author of uh, the Encyclopedia of Heavy Metal, published by uh, Sterling Sterling Press. Yes. Okay. And uh, you can find it. You can find it at your uh, local purveyor of fine books, or, or just go to Amazon like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>